Hello everybody, my name is Richard Dodu and I'm your host, welcome to my podcast and in today's episode we're going to be covering Niccolò Machiavelli. So without further ado, let's get straight into this. So Niccolò Machiavelli, also known as the father of political science, has got a lot of controversy surrounding his name. Some even argue that he was a teacher of betrayal, treachery and evil. And I want to use today's episode to maybe clear up some misconceptions about him and whether or not he was truly evil. Machiavelli was a historian, diplomat and philosopher who lived during the Renaissance and is most famous for his political treatise, The Prince. Now, he was a diehard empiricist, and I'm talking diehard, diehard. His reading of history led it to conclude that humans were fickle, deceivers, liars, greedy, and ungrateful, only capable of being good, but it was in their best interest to do so. He strongly rejected idealism, arguing that the discrepancy between how we ought to behave with how we do behave is what leads many to ruin. And since most of us operate on the latter, having some sort of preconceived notion that everyone we come across is automatically a good person with our best interest at heart, when they do something that goes against our expectations of them, that's where we get upset. Now one thing, I would like to point out one thing I liked about The Prince, it was the intense realism he expresses throughout the literature. There was no sugarcoating about useless ideals, there was no sugarcoating about how the world should or should not operate what the world ought to be, there was none of that. He just explained things as they are from his empirical study of history. And from his study of antiquity, he looked at princes that acquired and retained power the most, picked apart their traits and advised others to do the same if they also wanted to acquire, retain and sustain the level of power, the same level of power. He modelled his ideal prince on... The Duke of Valentino or Cesare Borgia who learned early on that the world isn't as nice as people make it out to be and he would have to take action to secure his place. And why it could even be argued that he was a sort of student or master of human nature because it's timeless, the things that people do, which he advised. For example, Machiavelli advised a prince should have a plethora of excuses ready when it is not in his best interest to live up to his promises. And we could take him with an example. Liz Truss, he was outlasted by lettuce, promised to grow the economy, as well as Rishi Sunak. And yet, look at the state we're in. Jeremy Hunt said it will halve inflation, etc, etc. Then obviously they're going to make excuses. And with an incompetent public, that's going to believe those excuses. It's just going to make our situation worse. So my main point here is that it is human nature to do these things, regardless of whether it's regardless of whether it is conscious or subconscious. All he did was shed light on a topic where others were too afraid to tread. Now I want to take a quote from the prince, which is as follows. Any man who tries to be good all the time is bound to come to ruin among the great number who are not good. Hence a prince who wants to keep his authority must learn how not to be good and use that knowledge or refrain from using it as necessity requires so the key word here is 
necessity, not regularly or regularity. Unfortunately, there are some not so good people in this world that would jump at every opportunity to exploit good, kind-hearted, good, kind-hearted people. And if you continuously give them an incentive to continue by not sticking up for yourself or not being not good, then it's only going to get worse and it will only be to your detriment. This follows from the tale of the frog and the scorpion. If it's in their nature to do bad, they're irreparable. The only situation you have, the only option you have is to deal with the situation accordingly and not wish or hope for them to be this or that. Now, Machiavelli used two concepts throughout the work, which is Vertu and Fortuna. The former refers to your ability and the latter refers to the goddess of fortune. Throughout the entire work, he was vehement that a prince needs to rely on his abilities instead of leaving things to chance. Because obviously, when the time comes for you to take action, when the time comes for you to perform, but you can't deliver, it will only be to your detriment. Now, all of Machiavelli's advice is essentially amoral. But in my opinion, amorality isn't a bad thing. As a matter of fact, it's actually good. This is because, well, in my opinion, this is because amorality is desirism. And the way I see it, morality is purely subjective and doesn't exist outside the mind, similar to value. I will link desirism or ethics without morals by Joel Marx, who superbly defends this. I'll link it down in the, des- uh, the description below. So let me give you a value. Uh, let me give you an example. The Athenians and Aztecs would offer up, in ancient Athens, would offer up human sacrifices in an attempt to appease the gods, which they deemed moral. But just the thought of that in other societies would make many sick to the stomach. So this is just how the world is: a set of conflicting desires. Even if we abandon the notion of morality, nothing will actually change. This is because we have a rank of desires. Desires, desires of the first rank, second rank, third rank, so on and so forth. For example, I desire not to go to prison. I desire to follow the golden rule, etc., etc. So I'm not going to cause harm, any harm to my fellow man. And since a morality is pragmatic, we can measure its results or its intended effects, unlike morality. And with all the material wealth and constant technological distractions going on in this world, his advice is as timeless as ever. You have to prepare for the good times. I mean, you have to prepare for the bad times during the good. This is not pessimism, but realism. Now, Machiavelli advised the prince should be farsighted or could see problems before they arise. The earlier you see it, the easier it is to deal with. To take an example or or an analogy, we can use tuberculosis. If it's seen early, it can be treated early, eliminated and destroyed early. However, if you let the problem grow, and bear in mind, the problem that's easiest to deal with is the ones that are yet to be seen or the ones that are hard to see. But yeah, when a problem is big, visible and easy to recognize, that's when it becomes harder to quash, to squash and eliminate. And since it reflects real life, because life goes up and down, it's not one smooth curve. However people try to make life seem good, it just goes up and down, (laughs) like the business cycle. But since life goes up and down, we need to build resilience, we need to build discipline. And even if the bad times were to never come, since you've got that discipline and resilience, it strengthens your character, it strengthens you as a person, your mental fortitude, and how you can weather the storm.
He recommended building physical and mental resilience by, of course, replicating warfare. Obviously, you don't need to do this to take it to this extent, but we could take some insight from his advice, such as meditation, exercise, mindfulness, and if you want to go, excuse me, and if you want to go even further, you could take the stoic route of voluntary discomfort and negative visualization. This way, by putting yourself in negative situations, you can actually embrace the storm when it comes, see how much you've de- see how much you've developed, test your virtue, and see how far you can go. Most of us are way too comfortable being comfortable and we delude ourselves into thinking that these negative situations will naturally sort themselves out. Following on to my next point, purely because of the way we're raised. The way we're raised is predicated on idealism and in this idealistic way of looking at things has only been exacerbated by the advent of social media. We're told as children that everything will be okay, the right things will happen at the right time, on and on and on, blah, 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 blah. I myself had to learn the hard way. This is not the case. So from there, we form some idealistic picture in our head of how the world ought to operate. And based on this self-entitled, narcissistic way of looking at things, we expect situations and people to conform to this ideal. This is where everything goes wrong. The distance between our reality and our ideals is where the depression, anger, anxiety, etc. kick in. If you could train yourself to do the opposite, how your ideals could be adapted to reality, you will feel a huge weight off your shoulders and and tap into a feeling of receptiveness you've never actually felt before, I can guarantee that. So delving, in, delving deeper into Chi's idea from, early, from earlier, he suspected that the Orsini family would betray him early on and unfortunately for him, it came true. What's important is how he handled it. He didn't wish... He didn't hope, he didn't believe that the Orsini ought to be good people. He eliminated the threat and swore from that day forward he would rely on his virtue until his dying breath. Obviously, you don't need to take it this far. But if someone makes it clear that they're an enemy, you can't hope for them to be better, you need to deal with it. See it this way. What good is it if someone has the greatest intentions for you but... It does nothing but causes you harm. From this, it should be clear that life doesn't go life doesn't go according to what should or what shouldn't, but what is and what is not. So let me give an example. You have a friend who's a pathological liar, but they promise to give you some money tomorrow. You believe that he ought to live up to his promise because that is the right thing to do, but he doesn't. So what then? Will you be upset or frustrated? Angry? This is where the unnecessary conflict and anger and confrontation comes in, purely because you don't accept human nature. If you took the realist approach and knew he would not fulfill his promise, you would have been angry, you both go about your day, everyone's happy. A main theme that's recurrent throughout the prince is results, produce results, relying on your virtue. Respect is earned, not demanded, and if you want to be respected, you need to prove yourself through action and achievement, not through words. This is because results are the physical manifestation of your craft, your hustle, your aptitude and how much work you've put into producing said results, which people will appreciate so much more than just spouting that you want to be successful and talking as if anybody else can't say the same thing. A good example Machiavelli used was Agathocles of Syracuse. He was a very low class citizen and a rascal to boot. He was a menace. However, He used his virtue along with his patience to rise to the top of the Syracusan army. Moreover, 
Machiavelli deemed this man to be wicked, evil, since he committed countless atrocities and cruelties. But guess what? Not even his own people came to despise him because of his virtue, because of his results. He produced results that his citizens and his people could rely on. That is the power of producing, of being skillful, of producing results. And I want to take a quote from the complete autobiographies of Frederick Douglass, which is as follows. A man without force is without the essential dignity of humanity. Human nature is so constituted that it cannot honour a helpless man, although it can pity him. And even this it cannot do long if the signs of power do not arise. So we need to understand that this world is governed by self-interest. Once again, it's not good, it's not bad. That's just how it is. Nobody owes you a thing. That is natural. I'm not owed a thing by anybody. You're not owed a thing by anyone. It's natural. That's just how the world is. Neither good nor bad. We all need a helping hand in life, that's for sure. But not when we don't even try to help ourselves. At the end of the day, we only have so much energy and time. And if people keep siphoning us of these resources... And if people feel like we're doing the same to them, but we continue and entertaining it, it's only going to, we're only going to be doing ourselves a disservice. So there's no point. And leading on or following on is where this leads me to my next point. It's important to pick your friends wisely because some are going to be energy takers, but some will be energy makers. Some who can push you, strive for you to become the best version of yourself which is and a similar a sort of piece of advice Machiavelli not a piece of advice but Machiavelli stated that the first opinion that one forms of a prince's intelligence comes from observing the men he has around him pick your friends wisely basically so let's say you and a friend work for the same company with you being a source of pleasure for those around you but you're not that skilled but you can make everybody happy on the other hand your friend has the worst possibility Massive possibility. Your worst, the worst personality makes everyone mis- miserable, always just down in the dumps and whatnot. But he's a top performing employee day in, day out. If your manager had to lay one of you off for a random reason, who do, who do you think is getting axed? It's definitely you. However, if you show that you're the hardest worker in the room, you're willing to learn, adapt, overcome, and improve, your manager may see you as a potential asset in the future and could retain you. This is the power of ambition. You need to be strict and apply this methodology to those around you. Are they continuously taking, making, consuming, producing? Make sure, making sure that you're putting yourself first and doing what's right for you. So to conclude, my position is Machiavelli was not evil. He understood human nature to a T and gave insight into what was needed to rescue Italy at his time of writing. Surely, if he was evil, then all of us are. We've lied before. We've deceived others and used dirty tactics at some points in our life to get what we wanted. Those who seem like the paragon of decency are the biggest, usually the biggest narcissistic psychopaths. They're just good at playing and putting on the perfect facade. Don't try to repress human nature, but instead express it in a healthy and productive manner. That way, you'll be less prone to jealousy, envy and all these dark, destructive emotions. So from now on, try to see everything and everyone around you as a tabula rasa or a blank slate. That way, you don't or won't have any predispositions of how things should be according to your own biases, but rather, you will accept things as they are and respond to the situation accordingly. 
Marcus Aurelius compared life to a boxing ring. You don't complain that your opponent is trying to hurt you or fight you or knock you out. You respond to the situation accordingly and fight back. End of. If you can have that same attitude to life, seeing events as neutral as best as possible, you will surprise yourself. I can guarantee you will surprise yourself with the unorthodox ways you come come up with and find solutions to problem find solutions to problems. So fall in love. Fall in love with Fortuna. Bend it to your will. Take control of your life. This is similar to Nietzsche's Amor Fati. Be infatuated with what's to come. Know that both the good and bad have a purpose for your life. Because ultimately, the summation, the worth of our lives will be reflected in what we have achieved, not intended. So imagine if it were to end today, this second. Will you be happy? Would you be happy with all you have, you have achieved thus far? I can guarantee you that once you take a more pragmatic, realistic approach to life, you will be more productive, you will be more res- uh, content, you will be more receptive. So, read The Prince with an open mind. It might turn your stomach a little bit, but since it's realistic, you can understand the, the, the intense, the harsh truth of this world. He explains the realism and it's a sort of, sort of wake-up call in my opinion. So, thanks for tuning into the first episode and I've been your host Richard Dodu. Thanks for watching.